All right, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Good Newscast. As always, great to have you with us. Um, last week on the podcast, we talked God and his decrees. Probably raised more questions than communicated answers. <laughs> That's a big topic, though. It is absolutely a big topic. Um, I encourage you to check out uh, R.C. Sproul's book, Truths We Confess. That's a book we're using in our church right now that goes through the Westminster Confession. R.C. Sproul, if you don't know him, uh, uh, theologian, uh, passed away a couple years ago now. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, brilliant and writes in an incredibly readable, down-to-earth way. That's kind of his legacy mm-hmm. as being brilliant, but also just such a clear communicator check out his book uh, if you want to dive into that subject more also you can jump uh jump into the westminster confession of faith um do you know any other do any other good books come to mind on god's sovereignty decrees um yeah, i mean there's a classic one by a guy named botner called a uh, uh, predestination and election that's a okay, classic okay um but off yeah there's a there's a putting amazing back into grace Oh, that is that's a the one, one I would say to by get. Michael Horton. Yeah, that is the one to get. Yeah. Yes, yes. If you want some more introduction, not like super technical, mm-hmm. uh, tougher reads, putting Amazing Back to Grace. And then obviously, if you want to dive deeper into Michael Horton's brain, uh, his systematic theology—it's fantastic. Um, so clear, good. so good. Anyway, yeah. uh, today let's talk um, creation. Yeah, so maybe I'll ask you a couple questions. Unfortunately, so we're gonna you're gonna be uh, preaching on creation. Yes, right. And so, are you gonna start off with all the different theories of creation? Yes. Is that how you're gonna start off the sermon? Yes, because I'm well versed in all of them. <laughs> um, no, one of my covers. So yeah. we're recording this ahead of my sermon, and then this will come out after my sermon um, to keep you guys fed weekly on our genius. Yes. Um, uh, Jay Gresham Machen, I've told you this before, but he's on record when uh, all the kind of evolution, yeah. creation debates, blah, 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 really hit the scene. Machen, who, who um, I don't know the best way to describe him, but somewhat legendary in American Presbyterianism. Yeah. In terms of a thinker, writer, um, pivotal Seminary leader. founder, yeah. So um, he basically excused himself if that's how you say it or recused himself either one yeah. basically backed out of the argument and said listen i don't know enough about the creation account to really weigh in on some of these debates so i hide behind his cover a little bit to say there are various views that i think are within the bounds of being faithful to look at the bible and say this is what i think about creation and the age yeah. of the earth and and how to interpret Genesis one and two, and then I draw the line, of course, on things like a historical Adam. Sure. If you don't have a historical Adam, then the, a lot of the rest of the Bible is yeah. lying. Yeah. Um, but I think, anyways. But it's kind of it's important to not read uh, science where the Bible's not intending to speak on science. Yeah. Right, and so think that Moses is addressing evolutionary theory. Um, when that wasn't on his uh, historical original context. So so it's very important. It's like looking at the intent of the original historical meaning is letting the scriptures be the authority and not uh, even well-meaningly uh, create some view of science that changes in 20 years, and you made the Bible 
uh, stand on that science. Like, oh no, the science teaches that, you know, I'm a young earth creation guy and the Bible's teaching that. And then science proves whatever that that's not. Uh, and you made the Bible say that it's speaking about science, particularly a scientific theory. And then when that scientific theory crumbles, the Bible crumbles because you made the Bible say that when the Bible doesn't. I just think one of the ways to kind of look at that is to just the Bible has its intent and it has its agenda. It doesn't have ours. So you want to get into the Bible's intent yeah. and the Bible's agenda, the Bible's theological meaning, rather than import our own into it and make it say things it doesn't say. As though God's people, when Genesis was written to them and for them, as though their greatest need at the time was to know how old the mountains are. Yeah. You know? Correct. Uh, as though that was on the yeah. mind of Moses. Yes. They, uh, their biggest need right now is to understand how old Mount Everest is. All right, so let's go with that. So what is... Oh, gosh. So Moses, yeah. um, the Israelites, um, they're coming out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. They're somewhere on the way to the promised land, or maybe they're in the promised land at this mm-hmm. time. But uh, the first five books of the Bible are coming together during this yeah. time period. Uh, and and they're given Genesis one. They're given the yeah. creation. Um, why? Why would why would you need to be told about Genesis one? It seems like it's so removed from mm-hmm. from the desert. Yeah. Right. So, and of slavery in Egypt. So this was right when I started thinking about my sermon. I kind of knew early on. Um, like right away, I, I had this gut feeling that that to understand for our people when I'm preaching to understand Genesis one, it is going to be so key that we understand original audience, um, original context, how they would have received it and understood it, and how it was meant for them. Because I know that so many of us today have been we have been put in this position where we approach Genesis from a totally different place. We approach it from like sixth grade science class, Mm -hmm. you know, again, like it was written primarily just to answer scientific questions. Um, Then when you realize that, okay, this was written to Israel in the wilderness, or maybe, I mean, depending on where you land on the year, maybe they're kids, but essentially this generation of people that, the illustration I'm going with is C.S. Lewis and Narnia. It's it's what is really making it so clear to me that in Narnia, you have winter. You have winter ruling the day, this brutal, bleak, dark winter um, ruled by the, the witch, the white witch. And everyone's under this winter. And that is an easy illustration for Israel. They have been in slavery. Um they are people gr- having grown up in slavery. Um, 400 years, right? Th- this is not so like... So it's generational. Yes. Yeah. This is what they've known. They have known hard, backbreaking, oppressive slavery and work and domination. And surely, yes, they have been told about their God and they've been told uh, probably the creation account verbally. I mean, things are being passed down, but they don't have it in writing. I mean, it's not like what we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they have known is bleak, dark winter. 
they are brought out of slavery. They're seeing these amazing things happening, but you can still understand how even the way the Ten Commandments start is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery, out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. So much of the Bible is God going, I need to tell you who I am. They need to know more of who God is and who they are. Where in the world do we come from? Who are we? Who is our God and what is he like? They've probably heard competing creation stories where you have multiple gods at war with one another and then creation comes out of it and you've got the God of the deep waters and you've got the sun God and the moon God. And they've heard these competing creation stories. They're in winter. So for me, my sermon is going to take that picture and really go, we ask two questions in winter. Number one, has there ever been a springtime? Has the grass ever been green? For this generation receiving this book, depending on when Israel got it, perhaps the answer is no. Yeah. I mean, it's it's never been spring for us. Yeah. So I wonder, I have this echo in my heart that perhaps it's been, it's been springtime before. Hmm. And perhaps more importantly, will it ever be springtime again? Yeah. If you can tell me that maybe it's been springtime before, it's going to give me hope that perhaps the winter's going to break, right? Aslan is going to shake his mane and the grass is going to go green and the sun is going to come out. Um, okay. So in that reality, Genesis one and two hits and you read things that it, it's, I'm calling it the true legend. It is the true Narnia. It feels like Narnia to us. It feels, yeah. it feels like a distant land that I would get through, through a magical wardrobe where there's nothing. And then all of a sudden God speaks with ease and creates everything and what he creates again and again and again what does he say it's good it's yeah. good yeah. it's good and, and i was telling you this in the car uh i think on the way back from lunch that think about that we live in winter time where we look around us and we basically go sin we look we just observe the world sin evil brokenness decay death and all of a sudden, we're reading this account of a creation that repeatedly is saying, good, 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 good. Oh, and by the way, behold, very good. Like, just do not miss this. Hmm. Springtime, life, no sin, no death, no decay, not broken. Um, God creates. So, it, hmm. okay, so springtime, there once was a springtime. So we're, we are building hope now that perhaps another springtime is coming, right? And then the spectacular reality that God creates with ease, you know, um, he puts to shame all these false gods who have claimed that they're the creators in the account in different ways. Hmm. He speaks with ease, no sweat, no need for a nap, no energy lost. Um, and then to show the love, uh, Cal John Calvin, the paternal fatherly love of God, he creates Adam and Eve and he says, he says, it's all yours. I just spent days creating the cosmos all for you. You know, it's just stunning. It's, it's all for you. Mm -hmm. you, are the, you are the rulers of this world. Rule it, take care of it, subdue it. It's all, it's all for you. It's a gift for you to have, to rule, just like me right? To be this mm -hmm. Lord over the world, like I am the Lord over the cosmos and over you. To represent me, to, to, to show forth something of what I'm like. 
Calvin goes into how the world is huge and God just says, listen, I've made just, you know, millions of square miles for you to just have babies and fill it all up. Just get after it. You know, it's all yours to enjoy, you know? Anyways, um, so it's just a stunning account of springtime. And then here to, to not go on super long. Um, okay, the question is this. We, as you have said, we are the authors of our sin and condemnation. I'm obviously not going to get into that. That's You're going to get in that next week mm-hmm. or when this drops this Sunday. Okay, so winter set in, and we are the authors of winter. Mm-hmm. We authored it. Winter sets in with the fall of man. So really, maybe more importantly, what I'm saying is Genesis 1 is saying, hey, you have an origin of springtime, and it's coming again. And sure enough, and, and this is my... This is what I'm going to say. My answer is springtime will come again if God gets to work again. So God rests on the seventh day. Is springtime going to come again? It will come if God gets to work. We have jumped in a pit we cannot get out of. We can dig our way out and we look up after digging for days and we're deeper. It's worse. Springtime will come if God gets to work again. Sure enough, Jesus shows up. And what does he say? I've come to do the work of the Father. He goes to the cross. What does he say? It's finished. The work's done. So God got to work again. The gospel comes to us and Paul stunningly in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, the God who said, let let light shine out of darkness has shown the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ in our hearts. So he he goes, your salvation is 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 like Genesis 1. I mean, that's incredible. And then Hebrews says, those who believe enter in to the rest of God, hmm. right? Um, so God comes to make all things new, to bring creation to where it was supposed to go, to glorification that Adam failed. The new and better Adam, Jesus, does the work of the Father, fulfills all righteousness, dies for our sin, rises from the dead, is making all things new, and through faith we enter into this eternal rest. Um, and one day, one day, you know, winter will be decisively, fully, finally dealt with. Dealt with right? Awesome. The power of winter has been broken, and winter right now is just passing, right? Yeah. It's just passing. It's passing. One day spring will break, no more winter, all because of Jesus. So that is basically my sermon. That's great. That's, That's basically good it. stuff. So Genesis 1, creation story. Um, it seems like it takes one chapter, two chapters at most, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then three to the rest of the Bible is winter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yep. So we have two chapters in the Bible that aren't in the context of winter. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. So it's even that right there is just like, hey, hey, I dare you to believe this. Yeah. Yeah. I dare you. Yeah. There it, it is, is a such, spring. Yeah. It is such a, I mean, that's it, it, thinking about it. Like, it's like, if you believe just the first chapter, yeah, it will change everything. Yeah. If you believe the first chapter that there was a time, there was a day of springtime. And what and even what do I mean by springtime? This is what I mean. I mean life with God in his presence, 
cool walk in the middle of the day Mm -hmm. where working, working the garden is not thorns and thistles. Working feels like a cool walk in the middle of the day. Yeah. The sun doesn't scorch you. Feels amazing. Yeah. Life with God, not a care, worry in the world, no fear, no shame, no guilt, no sin. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like putting it that way. Yeah. It's like if you believe just the first chapter changes everything. Sure does. It's really good. So that's what's coming. That's that's, coming. that's how the Bible starts uh, chronologically. But remember that Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 are given to a people who have either are have recently come out of slavery or in the wilderness uh, are trying to make sense of life, trying to make sense of themselves, trying to make sense of what just happened to them and the, the evil that was done to them, trying to make sense of these cosmic swirling powers that that seem to be primal and evil all around them trying to make sense of even what we looked mm-hmm. at last week circumstances what other people call karma fate uh trying to make sense of their marriages and their kids and 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 genesis 1 and genesis 2 mm-hmm. are given to those people mm-hmm. are you trying to make sense of yourself yeah. and trying to make sense of this world that has been crazy, a little more crazy than it has been for the past two years. And and now even globally, internationally, we're seeing another aspect of crazy on display with uh, Russia and Ukraine. Uh, wouldn't it be fascinating if Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 uh, is actually given to help you in the midst of that kind of dark place? Mm-hmm. Winter. Mm-hmm infuses meaning i mean right when the bible says in the beginning god just that just that goes okay that seems to start actually making sense a lot of my life mm-hmm. because i i have a sense of morality of good and bad that i can't explain where that comes from i have a sense in my heart ecclesiastes eternity in my i have a sense of something bigger a, a creator something bigger in like purpose. I have a sense of purpose. There's no way that, the, that this world is just literally without meaning and purpose. Yeah. I can't, but I can't explain it. I can't explain any of these things. And the best, a lot of the scientific community is telling me is, yeah, it's all random. Yeah. It's all, it was an explosion. You're a collection yeah. of cells. None of this matters. Yeah. But what the scientific community can't do is, is explain away the fact that we all, we can't come to grips with that. We just can't seem to wrap our head around that. Are you sure this is all random? Are you sure that morality just is just comes out of stardust? It makes me think of, it's so good because it makes me think of like, I mean, if I walked into my room, if I walked into the kitchen of my house and let's just say, uh, yeah, I just walk in and there's a a cake and it has my name on it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. My first thought isn't, oh, look what evolutionary theory produced. Yeah, yeah. No, you, my first thought is, who made that for me? Yep. I mean, yep. that's as that's as basic as it gets. Now, we look at the creation today, and we we don't think like that, but that's how we should think like yeah. it. It is like a birth cake, birthday cake that has your name on it, and you know somebody made it for you. And that's just a cake. I mean, right. think how simple a cake is. Right. We're talking about, I mean, again, we'll end it here, yeah. not to, but we're talking about like the human eyeball. Yeah. 
I mean, I did this with the youth. I said, think about the chair you're sitting. If I put a chair in this room, would you come in here and, and go, who made that? Or, huh, that's interesting. It just came out of nowhere. And that's just a stupid chair, right? What about the human eyeball? What about the fine tuning of the universe? I mean, just... Anyways, I'm going to go into a little bit of science stuff because so many scientists, even uh, non-Christian scientists, are now starting to admit. They're starting to go... Um, yeah, we can't, we really can't explain. We can't just say like, oh, it's just always been, you know, everything in the universe is saying there seems to be a point of creation. Mm. Um, it's good. Anyways, all right, uh, we'll end there. And then next week we will talk about, Jeff will talk about, and we'll talk about in the podcast and the sermon, the fall of man. How did, in my illustration, winter set in? What happened? We're going to start getting into covenant theology, which is also going to uh, touch on the creation account as well, um, and how the creation account and the fall is is uh, talking about God's covenants that he's made with man, which is going to be amazing. Yeah. So um, until next time, peace. Peace. peace.